first. Well, welcome back. Uh, I'm Mike, and I am here as usual with Tom. Hi. Ross. Hi, Mike. And Joey. Hey. And I wanted to talk about something. Um, well, I'll just start with I saw an article in Childcare Exchange magazine, and it's called Perception is Not Always Reality. And this one was about re examining our views of black boys. And it was that idea that there is research that black boys are expelled from pre K programs at a higher rate. And this article is other research talking about the fact that the overwhelming majority of black boys are developmentally doing fine in programs and some are excelling and some that are not doing well and the programs that they do worse when they're in programs. So I would love to talk about that sometime, but we are all here coming from a cultural perspective of where all four of us are white and grew up in predominantly white communities. And so I don't think we are equipped to talk about that specifically mm-hmm. by ourselves, or we, we could from one perspective, but it'd be nice to get multiple perspectives on that. But, so maybe for a future show. But right now, what it also made me think about is being a man in this field, and there being very few men in the field, that's an easy one for me to see the cultural perspective. Mm-hmm. It made me think of, we often view boys, you know, there, there's the phrase, we view boys as defective girls in early childhood, because <laughs> they don't sit. They're not yeah. sitting like the, the girls aren't. Look, yeah. she can sit, why can't he? Yeah. And interestingly so, enough, like, in the world of early childhood, males are a very small percentage of the actual makeup of the field. Yet in in our discussion group, it's you know it's three out of four <laughs> of us are yeah. identifying right. as male, and one is not, one is female. In that sense of just how you know again we we have to take those perspectives of where we've grown up, how we've grown up, but which is another layer of like oh well, male teachers can encourage right. big body play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What we're doing is actually helpful to all boys. And all girls and all kids who, yeah, to all children. But it is also true that there is a small percentage of boys who probably are the most active. Mm -hmm. And we get these stereotypes in our head of this is what boys do because there will be a classroom. Most of them are, you know, half and half boys and girls. And generally most of the boys are not driving the teacher nuts. But then there's a few boys who just like cannot sit still at all. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, they're boys. And then there's this sort of like, that's the code word. And uh, all the teachers like kind of like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have a class of boys, you know? And it's just <laughs> that thing of like, so there's a cultural perception of it. But I think we have to kind of turn that around and say, what do children need? Mm-hmm. But then also be honest about it. Because, you know, for instance, I saw this one study. So it's Michelle Tanik did a study where they counted the number of rough and tumble incidents on a playground, boy did it, girl did it, and every time, so every time they played chase or kicked a ball or whatever, and 80% of those instances were boys hmm. in a 50-50, you know, boy-girl mm-hmm. classroom. And I'm sorry, Mike, what was the age of this group? You, so the age there? group was four or five, I think, Maybe, might have been five and six okay. year-olds. But the interesting thing, too, is I haven't seen many other studies about for young children. No. Yeah. And the study itself has less than 30 children in it. Okay. So it's this figure. I've been always talking about 80% of instances are done by boys. So that's where we get this perception. And not to put down the research at all, because Michelle Tannock, I think, is doing... What we need is her to do more research or have other people do more, too. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't tell us whether the teacher Mm -hmm. is a man or a woman. She does talk about that afterwards of, you know, these are questions that I didn't raise. Yeah. 
But we always talk about, oh yeah, boys and girls both kind of do all this rough stuff, you mm-hmm. know. And then if I talk to a teacher who's always putting the kibosh on it, they're putting the kibosh on the boys. Yeah. Um, and not all, again, probably not all the boys, but from yeah. their perspective, it's the boys, mm-hmm. quote unquote. So I guess it's just this one I want to try to have us re-examine or you know, mm-hmm. think about when we say the boys or when one teacher says to another teacher, I have mostly boys. I've got the room of... 14 boys and two girls and then they go oh yeah and they all say oh like what you know what is that and i think it's mm-hmm. a it's a cultural difference that they don't know how to bridge mm-hmm. and because our field is overwhelmingly female and here in minnesota at least overwhelmingly white and i guess national statistics bear mm-hmm. that out too it's a cultural thing that we don't always acknowledge mm-hmm. like oh well it's it's just a different culture and I try not to get so binary with gender, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't think it's healthy to say, this is what boys do, this is what girls do. And yeah, maybe that's absolutely. partly what I'm saying is, there are some girls who do it too. Mm-hmm. And then they'll usually say, well, you know, she's a tomboy or this girl <laughs> does it. Yeah. But how do we see what kids are doing and see that there's a need? There isn't one way to have a kid be in the classroom, I guess. So, so one of the reasons I really started with this group was because I thought that girls needed as much rough and tumble mm-hmm. as boys. And it was a need of the child rather than whether it was one of gender or not. Right. And what I saw in the field was there was not enough, there were not enough outlets for either boys or girls for this mm-hmm. active play that they yeah. both need. Right. I can tell you, I've never had a class of all boys, but I have had a class of all girls, and that was my hardest class ever. There was just too Wait, much. Wait, la- I- <laughs> I've heard on. you also say your first class was the hardest. Yeah, it? now we've had two hardest oh, classes. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that was... For, for Second hardest. Turn, yeah. Top three. <laughs> it was up there. It was a memorable class. It was a memorable class, yeah. yes. And then maybe that's this is my own kind of soapbox for what's brought me in and or fueled me to keep going in this field. It's easy to lump gender, mm-hmm. boy and girl, with mm-hmm. um, race, black, white, Asian. You know, we, we can easily compartmentalize because you can kind of see it. And I think now we're seeing a lot more of this evolution of even non-binary uh, d- gendering kind of the world of transgender um, children becoming more apparent in schools and and saying this is who I am. Be more open in the public. And I think it's that sense of, to me, that that feels like that's what teaching really should be. It's about working with the children you have. Mm -hmm. And I think we we all agree in here that children need these opportunities to learn. So if you go back to, you know, I keep drawing on Tom's early example and what you've been saying over the past few episodes, you know, we're talking about exuberance and joy, and it may look different, in different children, right. but it typically is expressed through physical movement, right? Yeah, Whether mm-hmm. it's dancing or tickling or chasing or wrestling, yeah. um, you know, and so I think, you know, you brought research at the beginning, Mike, you know, what is that researcher calling um, rough and tumble or right. big body play or whatever they're looking for? Mm-hmm. Because, right. Um, and she does have a paper where she literally defines rough and tumble right, play. Right, because there might be, I mean, just a stereotypical or whatever, but you know, there might be a group of girls in the corner tickling each other. Right. And that might not get coded this way. Or, or, or even just... would not, if I'm remembering right. correctly. Or even just hugging each other with, you know, in the course really of a day. Yeah. So, there, you know, I think yeah. that there's, I mean, for better or for worse, there probably are some stereotypical gender-normed behaviors right. yeah. that get looked at in, in different ways depending on who's who's looking yeah Yeah. no i think that's definitely true and i always wonder about the metrics 
right. of any of any study, and it's even the one that you were citing at the very beginning about fifty one percent. And you know, what are the metrics they're using? Right. Uh, are they using school metrics, whereas yeah, instead of and, child metrics? Right. Where, yeah. Right. I, mean, I think we're one, all falling in the camp of like you're gonna have a happier life. If you mm -hmm. learn how to use your body and have fun with other people, right? Because so much yep. of this is social development too. So mm -hmm. yeah, our, I think our group is what 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 would yeah. we yeah. call you know success at the end, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, that's yeah. I did, I and coming from the University of Minnesota, I'm surrounded by a lot of the research that's happening in the Institute of Child Development, right? And I just I wonder like what are we really looking for and do we need to code everything that's out there because right. sometimes it's just it's fun and this is what it just you know feels good I was there was yeah a, there's a definitely a difference between researchers and right. practitioners and teachers you know? absolutely and and I think and it's and necessary because researchers have to be able to say yep this is what I defined and that's why with Michelle Tanik yeah. she has very specific yeah. definitions yeah. she's using and she's trying to use pretty much definitions that were already created. Yeah. So it doesn't include tickling. What gets chosen, yeah. what doesn't. And it's not to knock research that's happening because there's many great things that come from, you know, really taking a focused look and being able to go, well, this is what's mm -hmm. going on. But there's, it feels like there's, maybe this again, this is my bias, that it feels like we're at a point where if it's not backed up by the numbers, quantitative numbers research, then you can't really believe it to be true or you can't right. really, it's not really viable work. So if we haven't coded or have it hasn't been found that, you know, or that Michelle Tanner only has 30 children, well, you know, then there's numbers, but right, playing just feels good. We right. know this to be true. Well, I was walking, this is, this may or may not be super germane, so we can cut it out later if you need to, Mike, but I was walking through my neighborhood yesterday and there's three little girls playing in the front uh, yard of, of their house and one of them's wearing a, um, a pool uh, you know those like floaties like, that go around your waist with like a little animal head oh yeah <laughs> and it's warm here but no one's got their pool out yet you know I was just like what you know these three little girls playing I'm like what is she doing with her little pool thing like what is going on and I get closer and just eavesdropping as I walk by and they're pretending swimming lessons they're pretending uh. they're teaching each other to swim and then one of them's like okay I'm gonna teach you how to do a somersault and mm. so one little girl, they're probably 70, is teaching the other little girl how to do a somersault in the yard. So they're just using their bodies as they play. Right. You know what I mean? And I don't, anyway, yeah. so I'm just thinking about, you know, but somebody might not look at those girls and say they're engaged in big body play. Right. Um, but that mm -hmm. was like central to their game was this yeah. little gymnastics and swimming lesson. Yeah. What we can do is get to know the kids we know yeah. and support them. And we can see is this helping them? Are they more engaged in the class? And I guess that's to me the big thing is sometimes teachers don't look at engagement as being the goal, mm. right? That if the child is more engaged in what they're doing, they're more interested in the classroom itself, more interested in the other kids in the classroom maybe, or whatever, that to me is like, oh, so what I'm doing is working because they're doing that. And if I'm always telling them, don't do that, and they kind of withdraw more or just go sit and read a book, uh, not to knock books, but if that's all they do and they don't move past kind of this very solitary activity, that's the problem. Whereas some people might say, are they sitting at group time, right? You know, so sometimes like IEPs will sometimes have the goal will be to have the child sit at group time for five minutes or whatever. Like that's the goal that they're working towards. Yeah. Not being engaged in the group time activity. So if the child sat there and 
was zoned out, yeah. they would right. still meet right, that they're goal. Cutting into and so, to me, that's the biggest thing: is if teachers are mm -hmm. reflective in their practice about making all kids engaged in whatever way they seem to want to be engaged. Yeah. I think you'll find those things. Right. Well, and I think we're so lucky in early childhood because it's all about the the whole child. I mean, I think you get to elementary school and now you got to start looking and saying, oh, well, I hope I hope they test better when we let them have an extra recess. You know, and, and that's what you have to use to right, measure. Right, that's your concern. And yeah. I feel like we're a little still protected from that in early childhood in, in terms of we're still talking about the whole children. And I hope they're joyful people because right. they learned that it's fun to use their body. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that that, I mean, I kind of want to supersede all over all that other stuff in the middle, because if you don't, if you don't learn that, that's not a very joyful life. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, tests or no tests down the road. Yeah. So, so can I tell you a story from my early years yeah. again? Mm -hmm. Was it your best class or your worst class? <laughs> it, it was, it, it was a class. I, <laughs> I, I can't remember it, but, <coughs> but I, I remember having a conference with this child's mother and it was a girl. And, um, I, I, I was telling her, you know, she, she's starting to show some kind of oppositional behavior. And the mother went, oh, no, not my daughter. And I said, wait, wait, that's good. That's good. I want her because this was the best child I've had. And she would do everything I asked. I was hoping she'd be a little oppositional. Mm -hmm. So I think if we as teachers can actually value a little bit of the opposition, then more kids can fit in. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the what the old Bev Boss line, like, good news, they hit someone today. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, and part of that is we can get stuck, and this is especially when you go into the elementary school level, or if you're a pre-K program attached to a school district where, you know, it's essentially part of this right. elementary yeah. school culture. School readiness. Yeah, we can think of it as school readiness. Yeah, the whole idea of school readiness. And to me, it's always been much more important that the schools are ready for children than mm -hmm. children being ready for school, and it's not the way this movement has gone. When people talk about school readiness, it's about kids being able to have their basic skills ready for literacy and their math skills. Yeah. And the only reason for that is because those are the easy ones to test. Yep. Because when it comes to getting a job and keeping a job, social skills are the most important thing. They're not asking you for spelling tests. They're not looking for you to finish your math worksheet right. in, those, in, in your you know, job yeah. applications. It's how do you answer these questions? How do you fit? How are you going to fit into the dynamic of right. this mm -hmm. existing community? Yeah, and and that is, you know, and and I maybe I shouldn't get into the argument of which is the most important, mm -hmm. but um, but that idea that it's just as important. Yeah. Right. Maybe yep. I should say it that way. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's a hard life if you don't have. Right. Uh, academic and cognitive yeah. skills. That's, I'm not. I don't. Sure. Yeah. Don't yeah, want to yeah. be misunderstood as well, yeah, yeah. not acknowledging that. But. but the the truth of the matter is, is that we we have that luxury of we're teaching the whole child and really yep. letting that. And then the truth of the matter is, after school, they still have to be a whole child or a whole person, a whole adult. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet, in between, you know, there's this emphasis on these few little things, and the kids who fit that system do well because. Okay, so here's the other part that I really wanted to get at, and I just remembered it. There's this thing where pre-K programs tend to not meet the needs of boys, we'll say. And I, now I'm going back to this stereotyping, right? But that idea that boys are more likely to get in trouble. Yeah. 
or B, labeled special needs. Mm -hmm. um, and it's true of elementary school too. But when you look at the world, you know, the jobs and jobs that have power, <laughs> it's not like we're failing boys. Now, some of that could Where be... Where have I heard that before, Mike? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I... Well, <laughs> yes, all... Doonesbury, I think that's right. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I remember going, having this conversation, and I will have to say, Joey brought this up first, right? So, <laughs> like a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. But you have to understand, now I'm mansplaining it to you. <laughs> Um, you see, Joey. I'm sorry, I totally hijacked your train of thought. No, no, it's okay. But, um, but you know, what I'm really thinking about is part of that, I think, is because we have this perception that 10% that's getting expelled or getting in trouble or getting diagnosed special needs. Is 100%. Right. Again, we tend to throw things in these categories and think, oh, we're failing boys here. You know, and, and the fact that we have problems with sexual harassment and all these things that... Well, that's the thing we should be like, what are we doing wrong in our education system that that's the issue? Mm -hmm. Like that is something that should be very much a part of education, how to treat other people. I, you know, I, I just don't like I'm going way off the rails here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it, it just shows that how that's such a loaded when you really try to start unpacking it. There's so many pieces to it mm -hmm. that gets down to, to really just understanding development of children. Right. If we're, and that's where I try to emphasize to others that we, the professionalization of this early, the world of early childhood, but I think just education in general, we're doing a great disservice by only focusing on the cognitive mm -hmm. brain, right. mm -hmm. chunk of the brain. Mm -hmm. I don't even know exactly. This wasn't the most <laughs> clear uh, discussion because I guess I wasn't looking for answers, but more like. Uh, sort of peeling the onion of what are the mm -hmm. issues and as we talk it's like we keep coming up with yeah. other issues so this this conversation i guess is just going to have to kind of get wrapped up with may, the may... main idea is that we shouldn't when we tend to say this is what boys do or this is what girls do we go down these long spirals that yeah. don't make any sense after a while mm -hmm. maybe it's putting it out on the facebook page and letting others continue the discussions out in the ether because it's uh there's so it, there's so much to it that to tackle it here right right yeah, and to understand that we have four perspectives of mm -hmm. you know kind of a very narrow group and there's a lot more mm -hmm. ideas and perspectives that are out there mm -hmm. well hopefully this discussion brought up a lot of good questions i enjoyed the discussion a lot of good questions i mean there's not always yeah. answers absolutely yeah and uh thanks for tuning in we'll see you again next week thanks thanks mike thanks mike thank you for listening to teaching with the body and bond we'll be back again next week with another episode Music is by Big Wheel Popcorn. <laughs>